we have uh, gathered together this second half for a phase of our worship that has to do with the celebration of the Lord's Supper. This is the only ritual that the Lord Jesus Christ authorized to be celebrated in his name. And so it is one that we take seriously because of its significance. The Lord's Supper is for the purpose of commemorating the Lord Jesus Christ. For he said, do this in remembrance of me. So when we gather together, it is a joint participation in Christ as believers because we understand what Christ did on the cross for us. So when we celebrate, we understand that the bread represents his suffering of giving his body for us on the cross, but also signifies that we belong to the body of Christ. The celebration of the cup also tells us of the death of Christ on the cross, telling us that we are the beneficiaries of that death through the forgiveness of our sins. So, it is a, a celebration that's of a mixed emotion. The first part is the fact that the Son of God came and suffered for our sins. The fact that he died stands for. On the other side of it, he's a joyous one because the great didn't hold him. He emerged victoriously over death. And we're looking forward to being with him, one way or the other. So when we celebrate this, it then becomes a joyful thing that we are looking forward when we're going to meet and celebrate with him along with all believers of all ages. So the Lord Jesus lived this so we think about him to, as we celebrate this. So I challenge you to Take a good look of your soul. Examine yourself carefully before you participate in this celebration because although it is a matter of partaking of um, living bread, so to say, and uh, Jews, it is those celebrations re- remind us of something that is very serious. Therefore, the Lord wants us that anyone who Participation in it carelessly is in danger of suffering. So we have that in command or that instruction. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the, of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That's why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. Some in Corinth uh, took this lightly. They participated, went home and died because God's judgment was on them. 
So it is not something we take lightly. For this reason, we spend some few moments here in prayer. So you can examine your soul and confess any sin that you've picked during the break or even just before now. So that you'll be ready to celebrate this great occasion. Let's pray. Our Father, we are thankful for this great privilege that our, your Son has given to us to be a moment to focus and think about Him. So, Father, as we begin to celebrate the bread, we pray that God, the Holy Spirit, will enable us to get our mind focused on its significance in relation to the death of your Son, Jesus Christ, on our behalf. This is our request in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, you already, if you did what I said, it wouldn't be difficult, just pull it up and you're ready to go. In the night, just before our Lord was betrayed, he took the bread. After offering time, says, eat, this represents my body. Father, again, we thank you as we prepare for the celebration of the cup. We just pray also that the Holy Spirit will continue to get our mind focused in this second phase of our celebration. This is a request in Christ's name. Amen. Again, I'll give you some few minutes here to ponder a little bit before we celebrate the cup. Okay, take it. If you love the top part, then.
in the same fashion, allow to the cup after offering thanks says, drink from it, all of you. Turn to 186, the old rugged cross, and please stand. Till my trophies at last I 
in the first half, before the Lord's Supper, we reviewed again the message of 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 26, which is that unity and diversity are indispensable, I mean, are essential in the body of Christ, that is the Church of Christ. So we consider the, that in our last study of last week, we looked at the fifth and the final reason you should be careful that uh, how you treat members of the body of Christ, which is that uh, God has a purpose for constituting the church in certain ways. The first stated purpose is so that we will, there will be no division in the church of Christ. The second, to ensure that we care for each other. Now the concern for each other is given in, uh, in a way of sharing both negatively and positively of the experiences of other believers. Now the concept of sharing negative experience of a fellow believer is stated in, the, uh, in verse 26 with a, a conditional clause if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. So then the believer is expected to share in the suffering of other believers. That, we say, raises the question of how a believer could suffer with another believer or share in the suffering of another believer. And so we say, before we answer that question, we need to examine an important doctrine, which is the doctrine of suffering. For which we say that we will consider that doctrine first by uh, defining what suffering means. Secondly, uh, its origin, the type, its types, its causes, its effects, its inevitability for believers, right and wrong responses to suffering. And finally, is usefulness or benefits to believers. So we began by indicating that suffering refers to any experience of pain and distress evident both physically and emotionally. So we looked at the origin of sin, um, of suffering. We said that sin is the origin of suffering that is traceable to the fall, and that's why we looked at Genesis uh, 3, verses 16 through 19. We indicated that not all suffering of a person is due to the, the person's immediate sin, that that could be because of what God wants to achieve, as we demonstrated with a man born blind. So with that, we move to look at the types of suffering. We say there are Three general types of suffering. Physical suffering, which is mostly associated with illness or disease. The second is emotional stress. And the third is spiritual suffering. And that is usually associated with a sense of God being distant. That is that God has abandoned someone if a person feels that way. And also that it could be because a person is concerned 
with righteousness that seem to be disappearing among people and, and that God's word is being flouted. And that kind of uh, suffering is what the Lord Jesus Christ uh, referred to in his, during the time he died on the cross. But the psalmist is the one that introduced that concept in Psalm chapter 22, verse 1. And that's why we stopped before break, and that's what we pick up. Psalm 22, verse 1. It reads, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning. Now the two questions of the psalmist express his uh, desolation and, and hopelessness that indicate his suffering is spiritual since he felt that God had abandoned him. Now this psalm is messianic in the sense that the words of this psalm were voiced out by the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross when he was being judged for our sins as stated in Matthew chapter 27 verse 46. Matthew chapter 27 verse 46. Matthew chapter 27 verse 46. It is about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama shabakatani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's his quoting from that psalm, Psalm 22 verse 1. Now it is spiritual suffering in terms of experiencing pain when sin abounds that is used to describe Lot when he lived in Sodom as described in Second Peter chapter 2 verse 8 Second Peter Second Peter, chapter two, verse eight. It is for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul. By the lawless deeds he saw and heard. See that word tormented is translated from a Greek word that may mean to experience anguish, to suffer, or to be in pain. Now each meaning describes suffering that is not physical. But inward that Lord felt every day as he watched the moral decay of Sodom. So, spiritual suffering is related to disgust against sin or a feeling that God has abandoned someone. Apparently, 
only believers at this time experience this kind of suffering. Although unbelievers inwardly suffer because of the torment of sins. But they are generally not aware that they are suffering because of sin. So in any event, having given you these uh, three types of suffering, we move to the next thing that we need to consider, which is major causes of suffering. So that's the next thing we need to look at, the major causes of suffering. We have indicated, of course, that the origin of suffering is sin. But there are many causes of suffering for people on this planet that for the most part are related to sin or to the fall. Now we'll group these uh, causes into what we refer as general causes and specific causes to a specific kind of suffering. That is, of course, emotional suffering. So, we present, in general, five general causes of suffering. A first cause, first general cause of suffering, is disorder in creation. Disorder in creation. Now, what this means is that God has set the order by which creation should function. But when this order is reversed, or when extraordinary thing happens that reverses God's order in creation, then the result is human suffering in various degrees. Now from creation, it is God's plan for the husband to be the authority in the marriage relationship. So when this order is reversed, there's bound to be suffering. Now this we learn from the fall. Adam obeyed the wife and the result was the introduction of suffering into the world. Now this we gather from Genesis chapter 3 verse 17. Genesis, we looked at that, but let's go to verse 17 again. Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 reads, To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife, and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you eat of it all the days of your life. Now the reason the Lord gave for suffering involved in, uh, in work that we all deal with today, as indicated in the adjective, painful, painful, in the NIV uh, and in many of our English versions, it's really that Adam listening to the wife. Now I'm going to show, it's not that you're not listening to your wife, is the issue. The issue is obedience. 
is obeying the wife. You must listen to your wife. There's no doubt about that. Now see, we're talking about obedience. Obeying something. Somebody tell you to do this, it's a command, and you obey when it is wrong. That's the issue here. Now the word listened, as using the NIV, is translated from a Hebrew word, Shema. That basically means to hear, but with several nuances. In this passage, the best meaning of, of that word is that of to obey. To obey. As reflected in the New English translation, that translated the clause. This is the way the, the clause of the NIV. Look at it again. It says, because you listen to your wife. That's how the NIV translated the Hebrew word Shema here. The, the New English translation, this is what they have. Uh, the New English translation says, because you obeyed your wife. So they captured the meaning. Because it's not that when your wife is talking, don't listen. Please listen, pay attention. It is obeying that's the issue. And so, the new Jewish version was called the Tanaka, reflected the same meaning since this is the way the translators translated the verse. This clause here, they say, because you did as your wife said. That's the way the new Jewish version translated. Because you did as your wife said. So, it is because of reversal of order in marriage relationship that Adam sinned, and so his sin introduced suffering associated with making a living. Now, you all remember when we studied a long time ago, I know we studied a lot, yeah. The strong man. Remember how I explained? A strong man is one who obeys the Lord, who obeys his word. And so if you're a strong man, you rule your wife with love. Not with physical violence or anything. With love. I mean, you, you give her such a love that the thought of you not being there, I mean, she just can't bear it. Yeah, no woman would love that, wouldn't they? Yeah, but that's the truth, though. That's what God wants a man to do. Rule your wife with love. It's not a physical thing. Violence and all that. But you have to be a strong man to do that. That means you are paying attention to the Bible. It doesn't matter how she stuck out her lips. You do what the Bible says. And ignore that. But of course, if she cools down, she realizes oh, this man doesn't, you know, he, he still loves me because that's what I'm going to be saying next, but we'll get to that first. Anyway. So it is because of reversal of order in marriage relationship then. That Adam sinned, and so his sin introduced suffering associated with making a living. So the point is that in marriage relationship, when the woman is authoritative and the man obeys, there's going to be a form of suffering. Now this is demonstrated by Sarah's complaint to Abraham, as we read in Genesis, which is, I've used that several times and I'll continue to as the passage calls for it. Genesis chapter 16, verse 5. 
Genesis chapter 16 verse 5 reads Then Sarah said to Abraham You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my servant in your arms and now that she knows she is pregnant she despises me. May the Lord job be between you and me. Now Abraham's wife here blamed her suffering. It's an emotional suffering that she was going through. He, she blamed it on Abraham. But why did she suffer wrong as she put it? It is because Abraham obeyed Sarah to sleep with her guy. Sarah's maid. So get her pregnant. As we learn from what is stated. Still in that Genesis chapter 16. Look at verse 2. Verse 2. Look at what verse 2 says. So she said to Abraham. The Lord has kept me from having children. Go. Sleep with my maid servant. Perhaps. I can build a family through her. Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. Now, the word go here is a command although Sarah softened it really by adding in the Hebrew the word that may mean please. Of course, not translated in the NIV. She added that word. But I didn't change the fact that she is reversing order. A man gives a woman to another man. Not a woman giving a woman to another man. You see, that's one thing. Anyway, now so Abraham's response is stated with the word agreed. Agreed. That is translated from the same Hebrew word that we told you was used in verse Genesis 3 verse 17. The word Shabbat. The same Hebrew word. The same thing. So, which means obeyed. So then it is the same meaning that the word is has here in Genesis 16 verse 2. Abraham obeyed. So Abraham obeyed Sarah's command to impregnate her girl, whose attitude towards Sarah changed once she recognized she was pregnant. She, you know, she said maid, but she realized I'm now powerful because I will have the man's child. And that changed the whole thing. And so she's suffering inwardly. Emotional suffering. Now Sarah. Considered the change in attitude. Of her maid a suffering. But she brought her suffering. On herself because of reversal. In God's order. In marriage relationship. It will not. I will not be exaggerating. Or it will not be an exaggeration. To say. That. Most women who are suffering in their marriages or their marriage relationship are in that state because they reverse the order of relationship between a husband and a wife and they assume the authoritative role in the marriage relationship. Now, if they cannot, that will not happen without a woman suffering. She may get her ways as she thinks, and oh, yeah, 
He married a man who probably is not a man, but just man physically. And therefore, whatever you say, yes, yes, honey, yes, honey, do it. And I say, no. This is what the Bible says. I'm not going to do that. Because, you know, it's a, a mature lady. Yeah, the husband don't have to even go there. You should know. She wouldn't put, her, put him there. Anyway, so here, the wife, when I said that most women are suffering today because of this. See, sometimes it goes in this way too. You may marry a strong, a strong man, really, a man who is strong. And when you don't get your way, you start pouncing, you know, you know having those inner turmoil within you. Get unhappy because you didn't get your way. Hopefully you married a strong man who will show you love in a non-compromising way. That is to say, they love you but not at the expense of truth. Anyway, so you see, the vessel of order causes suffering. A second general cause of suffering is what is often described as natural disaster. Now famine, for example, is considered a natural disaster, but when it exists, it leads to human suffering. It was because of the suffering associated with famine that the Egyptians of Joseph's time were reduced to servitude so they could have something to eat. As we read in Genesis chapter 47, verses 20 and 21. Genesis chapter 47, verses 20 and 21. Here is. So Joseph brought, bought all the land in Egypt for Pharaoh. The Egyptians, one and all, sold their fields because the famine was too severe for them. They were suffering. The land became Pharaoh's, and Joseph reduced the people to servitude. From one end of Egypt to the other. Now you know, many times, people, because of economic reasons, sell their freedom. That's what we have here. And it's too late. They can't do, do anything about it. They've already sold their freedom. And that's what happened here. They were so hungry, they sold everything. Become, they, you know, they become servants. To Pharaoh. Now it is because famine causes suffering that prophet Jeremiah referenced it as a part of the promise of the false prophets to the people of Israel that they will not suffer. As we read in Jeremiah chapter 14 verse 13. There's no way you, you go against God and think you will go free. You will go free. It doesn't happen, I'm, I'm telling you. All you have to do is listen to the news, read, and you know, no one ever gets away. You may think you are smart, 
You get away one day, two days, even one year, two years, three, five, seven, ten. Bam! God catches up with you. With that judgment. No, no one escapes that. So here, he reads, But I said, Ah, sovereign Lord, the prophets keep telling them, You will not see the sword or suffer famine. Indeed, I will give you lasting peace in this place. Oh my. I mean, you just, you look at it, you know, we humans haven't changed a bit. And we're not going to change, really, because it's part of our sinful nature. Fallen mankind. What we like is people who tell us the lie. We don't want people who tell us the truth. If you tell people lies, then yeah, they go for you, whatever it is. Tell the truth, people desert you. That's what these prophets were doing. They said, okay. We tell them, there have been no famine, no war, nothing is going to happen to you. They were lying. Because they thought they were true. Whatever they felt in their minds, I don't know. But they were all lying. And that suffering eventually came. They had famine and eventually were exiled out of the land. Now another example of what we call natural disaster that causes human suffering is earthquake. Earthquake. Now when it happens, people die and property are lost, leading to people suffering as we read, for example, of a future judgment of God in Revelation chapter 11 verse 13. Revelation chapter 11 verse 13. Revelation chapter 11 verse 13 reads, At that very hour, there was a severe earthquake, and a tenth of the city collapsed. 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake, and the survivors were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. That's part of natural disaster that brings suffering. Now, other natural disasters, as the time goes, that cause human suffering include tornadoes, which we know what it is around this area, uh, hurricanes, and flooding. So, the second general cause of suffering, what we call natural disaster. A third, a third general cause of suffering is human cruelty. Cruelty. Now this may manifest itself in the act of murder. Now it is difficult to understand the suffering of those who, whose loved ones are murdered. The Israelites of Moses' generation suffered greatly because of the order of Pharaoh to kill all males born to the Israelites as we read in Exodus chapter 1. Verse 16. Exodus chapter 1, verse 16. Put your marker there because I'm going to go to one passage and come right back to Exodus. 
Exodus chapter 1 verse 16 reads, When you have the Hebrew women in childbirth, and observe them on the delivery stool, if you say, boy, kill him, they say, go, bitterly. Now the suffering of mothers, Egyptian mothers, I mean Israelite mothers in Egypt, in the time of Moses here, was really similar, time Moses was born, was similar to those who lost their children around the time of the birth of Jesus because of the order of Herod to kill every boy two years old or under in an attempt to kill the baby Jesus, as we read in Matthew chapter 2, verse 16. Matthew chapter 2 verse 15 uh, verse 16 It is when Herod realized that he had been acquitted by the magi he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were, no, who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Now another human cruelty that causes, now of course you know this is cruelty due to struggle for power. He wants power. So he wants he can kill. This is what all is all everyone that wants power. Most of them they are ready to kill to get it. And that's what this is taking place. Herod was afraid. This newborn king will displace him. He didn't know who we're talking about two different things. Now another human cruelty that causes suffering on people is oppression. Oppression. Now when uh People oppress others. They cause suffering to those who oppress. Although them say in a way, you cannot oppress somebody and don't suffer yourself. It's just impossible. Because let they just give you some. Can you hold somebody down on the ground without being on the on the ground with that person? You can't do that. So no, we can campaign somebody down unless you're on the ground with the person. So once you begin oppressing people, you will suffer, but you may not know that's what you're suffering. Now, the Israelites were oppressed by the Egyptians. As we read in Exodus, go back to Exodus chapter 1, uh, look at verse 11. Exodus, now hold on to Exodus, Exodus chapter 1, verse 11. It reads, So, they put slave masters over them to oppress them, with forced labor, and they built Python and Ramesses as stores, cities for Pharaoh. Now, the oppression of the Israelites, evident in the first labor they endured, is interpreted by the Lord Himself as suffering for them, as we may gather from the term Exodus, Luke chapter 3, verse 7. 
Exodus chapter 3 verse 7. It is the Lord said I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I'm concerned about their suffering. That the oppression they were going through is, is called suffering here. So the point is that human cruelty leads to suffering of others. So that's one cause of suffering. A fourth general cause of suffering is old age. Old age. Now there are several conditions of old age that lead to suffering. Now some who are old suffer ill health of different kinds that are summarized by what Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verses 1 through 7. I'm just going to read through that whole passage. Knowing that it needs to be expounded. And if you forgotten and want to get involved, go back to it's online. We examined this passage in detail and I expanded these phrases in it that you can't get just by reading this particular passage. So if you want to expound expounding of this, go online and get it. This is where it reads. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. This is one of those things that I am not, I am, I'll be honest with you, I'm one of those that believe I don't never take this thing that they're too young. That's why they're X, Y, Z. I don't buy that. Because I know when I got saved. I was a teenager. So when people tell me that, I just, it doesn't don't ring, ring bell to me. I was a teenager preaching, telling adults, and they want to kill me. So when a teenager says, oh yeah, yeah, the, people give out these excuses. They are teenagers. Now, they are not controlled by the Holy Spirit. Or they're not, they're worse, they're not even saved. They, they go to church, alright, but that doesn't mean they are saved. Because if you are saved, the same Holy Spirit in an adult is in the uh, uh, same Holy Spirit in that teenager. So if that teenager is paying attention to the word, the Holy Spirit will function in him or her the same way in, as an adult. So that's why it says, what you do is when you are young, that is the time to invest your time in studying the Bible, learning about things in the Bible. Because when you get old, things change. I can tell you from my experience, where I used to, I can quote like this, now I can't do that. Age is catching up. I understand that. But this is what he says, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 1 through 7. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. That's when you spend time. That's what I'm saying. Before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds Return after the rain. When the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop. When the grinders cease because they are few and those 
looking through the windows grow dim. When the doors to the streets are closed and the sound of grinding fades, when men rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint, when men are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drives himself along and desire no longer is stared. The man goes to his eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed or the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring, at the spring or the wheel broken at the well. And the dust returns to the ground he came from. And the spirit returns to God gave it. So, old age has its own suffering. Now again, remember, I say, no one is immune to suffering. However, if you are grounded in the truth, your old age will be different from the, those who are not. A fifth general cause of suffering is satanic activities. Satanic activities. Now, Satan can cause suffering to a person by inflicting pain or discomfort on the individual. Now, remember, still, he still controls. Whatever he does ultimately is from God because God controls him. It's not, Satan is not doing anything on his own. God controls him. So, he carries out as an agent of God, really, so to say, carrying out uh, Whatever he does. So here, we see that is that kind of suffering from satanic activity that Apostle Paul described in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Second Corinthians chapter 12 verse 7 reads To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations there was given me a thorn in my flesh a messenger of Satan to torment me. Now Satan may then bring suffering to believers through inspiring persecution. Now this was the kind of suffering the Lord Jesus informed the church at Samina that, that will come to them as we read previously uh, in Revelation chapter 2 verse 10. Return there, uh, Revelation 2 verse 10. Revelation 2 verse 10 reads, Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. 
Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. So, we have considered five general causes of suffering, but there are three causes of suffering that are specific to emotional suffering. Now, a person may suffer emotionally because the individual perceives injustice or lack of help. We perceive injustice or lack of help, and that can cause you suffering. It is this kind of suffering that Job experienced when he perceived injustice in the sense that he gets no response from God or help regarding his complaint. As we read in Job chapter 19, verse 7. Job 19, verse 7. And hold on to that Job 19. I'll pick up the next verse too. Job 19, verse 7, reads, Do I cry? I have been wronged. That's perceived injustice. I got no response. Do I call for help? There's no justice. So he was suffering emotionally here because of that. So the cry of Job is against violence as reflected in many of our English versions. You see, the word wronged of the NIV here is translated from a Hebrew now, Hamas, Hamas. What would people say? Hamas today, but it's Hamas. That may mean wrong, injustice, but also the Hebrew word also means violence, violence. Now, it is probably that Job cried out because of violence that he perceived, but because he did not get immediate response, he considered himself of sovereign injustice. When a person then feels there is injustice, but the individual could do uh, nothing about it, that situation creates emotional suffering. Hence, we contend that when a person perceives uh, injustice, that will could lead to suffering emotionally. Another cause of emotional suffering is frustration. Frustration. Now there is a kind of pain and so suffering associated with a feeling of frustration. It is this kind of pain that Job felt when he perceived that God has walked in such a way that he cannot move away, say, from his suffering. Or progress in a way that avoids his suffering. As we read, look at the next verse of Job 90. Look at verse 8. It reads, He has blocked my ways I cannot pass. He has shrouded my paths in darkness. So it means, I can escape. Now I can escape. So that causes him more stress. Apostle Paul probably experienced some kind of pain or frustration because he could not get to the Thessalonians as he desired since Satan kept uh, preventing him from going to see them. As he, as he stated in 
First Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 18. First Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 18. It reads, For we want to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did again and again. But Satan stopped me, so he was frustrated. Still though, another cause of emotional suffering is mourning the loss of someone. It is this kind of suffering that David experienced as he mourned the death of Absalom, his son, as we read in Second Samuel chapter 18, verse 33. Second Samuel chapter 18, verse verse 33. Second Samuel chapter 18, verse 33. It reads, the king was shaking, that's David. He went up to the room over the gateway and wept. As he went, he said, Oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, if only I had died instead of you, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. So he was depressed in a sense. He was mourning, so he was suffering. So in any event, we mentioned these three causes of emotional suffering, but there are certainly other things that could cause emotional suffering, but the ones uh, we have mentioned are sufficient to establish the fact that there are specific causes of emotional suffering. Now, the emotional suffering that people experience may be evident in several ways. Emotional suffering may manifest itself in sadness, in sadness. Now, this manifestation of emotional suffering was demonstrated by Nehemiah, who, as a captive, was an official of King Artaxerxes. Apparently, he has been suffering emotionally as he thought of the state of Jerusalem that one day his emotional suffering expressed itself in his sadness, as we read. And I mean, his sadness noted by the king, as we read in Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Nehemiah Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. He reads, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can, on, this can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid. But I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? 
Now it was not normally permissible for a king's servant to serve him with an attitude that indicates uh, lack of cheerfulness. In other words, you can't go to serve the king without being cheerful. And I just, when you look at those things, it tells you a whole lot about the God we serve. How, how can we serve him with misery? If we human king can go to his face or be miserable or showing sadness. So we have to find a way as believers to obey the instruction. Rejoice always. I say again, rejoice always. So that's what happened here. And so the king was able to uh, recognize that something was going on because that's an unusual thing for Nehemiah. And all it was was under emotional suffering. Now, so that's why the king could say, why, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? Now, the emotional state of Nehemiah was due to his emotional suffering because of the state of affairs in Jerusalem as he reflected in his rhetorical question in verse 3 that indicated he was uh, pained by a physical condition of, Jer- of Jerusalem that lied in ruins. Now Nehemiah must have been tormented by the thoughts of ruins of the city of Jerusalem that unwillingly, or I mean unwittingly, uh, his emotional suffering was reflected in his sadness. Hence sadness is one of the ways emotional suffering may be evident. Another uh, where emotional suffering may be expressed is weeping and groaning. Weeping and groaning. Now this expression of emotional suffering is reflected by the psalmist as a core attention to the seriousness of his pain that uh, that he indicated led to groaning and weeping as we read in Psalm chapter 6 verses 6 through 7. Psalm chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. It is, I'm worn out from groaning. All night long I flood my bed with weeping and, and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fell because of all my foes. See, the word groaning is translated from a Hebrew word that refers to sounds that accompany suffering and pain. So the word refers to sounds that express emotional or physical pain. It is because the psalmist was under emotional suffering that he groaned and wept to the point that his eyesight was affected. So the point is that one of the ways emotional suffering is evident is through weeping and groaning. Still another expression of emotional suffering is bitterness. 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 If you have it, you're suffering. You may not know it. Now, so, we understand that uh, when a people are in pain or suffering, 
There is the tendency for them to reflect their emotional suffering through bitterness. When Israel, during the Exodus, suffered because they were thirsty, they expressed their suffering that was both physical and emotional through their bitterness towards Moses and Aaron. Of course, eventually it was released towards God. As in Exodus chapter 17, verse 3. Exodus chapter 17, verse 3. It is, But the people were thirsty for water there. And they grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to, to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? So they were suffering. And that's the way they express it, bitterness. Now it is, in this expression of emotional suffering through bitterness that Job exhibited during his ordeal as recorded in Job chapter 7 verse 11. Job chapter 7 verse 11. Job chapter 7 verse 11. Job chapter 7 verse 11 reads, Therefore, I will not keep silent. I will speak out the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. The word bitterness here is translated from a Hebrew word, ma, that pertains to a mental state of great, intense distress. So Job was suffering emotionally as well as physically. It's for this reason that he indicated he will Complain because of the intense suffering he was inwardly, as implied in that phrase, my soul. So anyway, a person under emotional suffering may express it through bitterness that the person exhibits. So this brings us then to the effects of suffering, and that's where we'll begin our study next week. Let's pray. As we end our study this morning, there may be someone here or someone over the internet listening, but you really don't know much of what was being said because you're spiritually dead. But here is the thing. God loves you. That's why you're hearing this. His love was displayed in that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who left all the glories of heaven to come to this planet to take your place, to pay for your sins. He endured all kinds of their abuse. They punched him, spat on him. He endured all that because he was thinking about you. He had the power to destroy all those who come to arrest him because he demonstrated a little bit. Because when they came to arrest him, they asked, they asked him, who are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. They said, I am. So God spoke and they all fell to the ground. But he gave them permission. They arrested him, made a mock trial of him tortured him, and eventually crucified him. In fact, of all this torture and everything, he never flinched for a moment because he was thinking about you. He knew he came as the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He was thinking about how he's going to pay for your sins, the sins you have ever committed from the day you become conscious until the day you die. Every sin that you've committed and will commit, he was thinking about that. And so he was on that cross bearing those sins and didn't wink a bit 
and didn't feel much in terms of expressing what he was going through. But the last three hours, when my sins and your sins were being judged on the Son of God, it was so unbearable that he let out a cry, Eloi, Eloi, Lamatabakatani, my God. My God, why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken that you may be brought in. He was forsaken that you may have life. How? The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will be saved. What are you going to believe? Again, the Bible says, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Believing in Him, you have life. No, so if you trust in Him, no matter how awful your sins are, no matter how you have failed, if you believe that Jesus Christ died on that cross, was buried and rose again the third day, you will receive the forgiveness of your sins and whatever you have done will be wiped clean and you will be qualified to spend eternity with God. So, believe in Him and escape His, God, uh, His coming judgment. On the other hand, if you say, well, I don't know, my friend, you're almost knocking at the door of hell, a place of eternal torture, of pain of the type that you can't even imagine. No human mind can conceive the pain of hell. But the one who created it knew. That's why he came. And that for you and me. So believe in him and escape it. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the study of your word. We pray that God the Holy Spirit will continue to challenge us. To begin to understand suffering, its causes. And so we know how to respond. This is our request in Christ's name. Amen.